Hey cats, it's four o'clock in the morning. I'm out here in Harlem, outside Vitis Studios, and you're listening to The Sound Purchase. Everybody's here but the police, and they'll be here any minute. It's high time, so here it is. The big event of the day is, I guess, the football, but we don't know whether or not it's coming home or not yet. So much, much more interestingly, as I said before we've started, Richard Branson did not, I repeat, he did not explode. I mean, is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is this whole space tourism thing, it can't be good, right? I mean, to be fair, Richard Branson is, he is kind of responsible for like tubular bells, so... Is he? Yeah, first album put out on Virgin Records. Oh, really? There you go, yeah. Mike Oldfield. Did not know that. Yeah. Isn't he touring Tubular Bells? Has he ever stopped touring Tubular Bells? <laughs> I like to think if you go and see him, he just plays it for like 90 minutes. Yeah. Hasn't he got a <laughs> just... Tubular Bells 2? I'm pretty sure there was a sequel to it. It's... Tubular Bells Why? 2. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> just the same, but backwards. Yeah, because why not? Why not? Funny enough, if you play it backwards, it just sounds the same as it does forwards. Yeah. yeah. wonder if that's a thing, like palindromic music. I think we've just stumbled across a genius idea and we need to trademark it right now. Oh, it must already be a, a thing. We've got hundreds of years of music theory. I mean, someone must have thought of it. Some math rocker, pun intended. I've got a, I've got a piece of news for you. Okay. Fender have announced some new, uh, new signature guitars, did you see? No. By J. J. Massus, Dinosaur Jr., J. Mascus. Mascus, yeah. So a new know. jazz master. No, no, no. He's got a new Telecaster. He's got like, Ooh. he must have one of everything. He's one of those guys that's like got a signature everything. Kind of like Joe Bonamassa. Has, has he got a signature everything? I've well, only ever seen the old Squire Jazz Master. He's got the Jazz Master. I think he had a Jaguar at some point. Anyway, the one I wanted to talk about was our friend of the show, Corey Wong. Got a signature Stratocaster, or as I like to call it, it, a Stratocaster. <laughs> <laughs> has he made no changes to it then? Well, you know, they, they talk about like the neck and blah, blah, blah. I don't know what Henry Rollins has got to do with this, but they talk about the, <laughs> the shape of the neck. But it does come, interestingly enough, with a hairband and something else where you can basically tie up the springs, the tremolo springs at the back. Why not just get make it hardtail? Why why not just get a cheap Stratocaster and get a hairband and save yourself like a thousand pounds? Where they pick fancy pickups in it? Or oh, he has got some fancy pickups. I weird think, wiring yeah, or anything like that? Or? I don't know. Either no. way, it's just like I get it. The dude's awesome, man. Like, don't get me wrong. I love his playing. He's he's mm. a huge inspiration on my playing at the moment. But I'm beginning to see through the whole. Artist series, blah, blahs. I've never met many people that have an artist series guitar. Funnily enough, Toby had, I think, an artist's Gretsch back in the day. The Malcolm Young? Was, no, 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 someone else. Like a, like a decent one. Like the, the Irish Falcon? No, no, like a decent Bono, one. <laughs> Bono's signature guitar. I think I when I spoke to it Graham, it was like, did you know he had a signature guitar? I didn't even know Bono played the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Why does he have a signature Falcon? Because why not? Bono's, Bono's big... Because uh, he doesn't play the guitar. Well, if you go back and listen to 
episode 38 of The Sound Purchase. You can hear exactly where, and it's on track number five of All You Can't Leave Behind called Kite. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's interesting is though, The Edge doesn't have a signature guitar. No. And he's like one of the most signature guitarists of all time. Well, to be fair, though, with The Edge, doesn't he have like a different guitar and amp set up for more or less every song? Well, he definitely has a different guitar for every song, yeah. I remember it might have been like a rig rundown or something, and they, the techs were saying, yeah, if we haven't switched to the right amp or something, he comes down here, he Ooh. knows, <laughs> he can tell. <laughs> he comes down here, he's already, he's already taken his belt they've off. Got, they've got like a bit underneath the stage where all the amp heads are and stuff. Yeah. And like the, he and just like, he whips off his little beanie cap and he starts beating yeah. us with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's rock solid because he never takes it off. It's just kind of like solidified <laughs> into that shape. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's some edge fan fiction for you, <laughs> free of charge. Oh, good stuff. Oh. Um, but no, oh, we're like, not here I, to talk I, about them. <laughs> we're not here to talk about them. We are here to talk about. Mohit and their 2020 release preface or preface, as Danny calls it. If he's calling it preface, I probably should call that. That's probably probably it, right? Rather than preface. Or is he just like being funny? I trying to do a bit of an Alan Partridge. Bit of column A, bit of column B. You got to you got to sit down and speak with them, right? Yeah, as much as you can sit down and speak with anyone at the moment. It was very reminiscent to one of our episodes, actually, of lots of tangents. And uh, (laughs) we we spoke about the album a bit, but it was more general life chat, to be honest with you, and a bit of a catch-up. Those are the best kinds, though, you know. Yeah. When I'm listening to a podcast and say you got like Mark Barron's WTF or something, and the, the people are clearly there to promo whatever they're there to promo. And I just love it when they spend all the episode bar like two minutes at the very end and because they've clearly forgotten to do the promo. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the best episodes, you know, where you you hear all about their their life and uh, past experiences. Those are the ones I like. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's the same with a lot of things. Mm. You know, friendly conversation Mm. and stuff. All right, so Mohit. Obviously, I've known Mohit since forever. I played in bands with Danny you know, when we were wee nippers, we we're in our late teens. He had he had a lot of musical projects going on. So there was the stuff we were doing. There was uh, obviously there was Mohit, which there was some stuff he did with a guy called Joe Dunn, who's a absolutely brilliant singer songwriter. There was a few other things that he he kind of even back then he was like very active drummer. You know, he got around a lot, and that's I can understand probably, why. Yeah, you know, not only is he a great drummer, but we've been looking for a drummer for our projects for how long? And we keep coming back to the same, like, three people that we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And he is just like the world's nicest man. Oh, that, that, uh, is, that is absolutely yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah, just not a bad bone in him. Yeah. Yeah, so Mohit, he formed with Toby, just sort of jamming out in their bedroom. And they'd go out and do a few gigs, just the two of them. But I don't really think it took off proper until Jim Redfern joined on bass and started doing more singing. Um, Toby, I don't I don't know if he just wasn't very confident with it back in the day or, or what, but he didn't really sing. Well, I feel like when you took me to the Albert to see them, one, I was taken back by Jim's bass. He had the... Um, oh, the Aerodyne. The Aerodyne bass, and I was like, yeah, I like that. Like mm. me some of that. 
I also like the way that they face each other. So it's like a, they form a triangle mm. on stage and they're all just looking at each other. They don't even look at the audience. I kind of like that. Not in an yeah. arrogant way, just in a kind of like, this is how we do it. Part of that is is they've always been a very jam band sort of mm. thing. Like all of their stuff is written just through long jam sessions. So we actually spoke about this when I was having a chat with Danny for a lot of their new stuff. You know, and they're coming out with like 10, 11, 13 minute songs at the moment. But that's coming from an hour long recording that they've just jammed out and recorded. Mm. And they're just mm-hmm. taking bits from stuff like that. And that bleeds over a lot into their live shows. Mm. Have you seen them since Jim? I've not seen them live. And sorry, what I was saying is um, when we saw them at the Albert, Jim, I think, was predominantly doing most of the singing. Yeah. At that yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. But they ended up obviously, so yeah, they parted ways. Jim's no longer part of the band. It's now a gentleman called Jack Daly, who I don't really know Jack very well. It's got to be said. Mm. See, I went to school with Danny and Toby, but but yeah, they got Jack in and I think that's all still going very strong with Jack. I'd say when I have met him, he seems like he's a good egg. So, you know, they're all very creative in, in quite different ways. So with the Toby's, Toby paints a lot. So he did the artwork for the album and he did, uh-huh. he just he just paints quite a lot. And I think Jack does a lot of uh, video editing and stuff like that and weird video stuff. And obviously Danny does as well. So if you've seen on their YouTube, they've got those Mohit skits from a couple of years ago. I've not, I've actually struggled to find their YouTube, to be honest. Do you know, I found, I found the album on YouTube under someone else's Profile. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, it's, uh, there's another artist called Mohit with the last name as well. I think they got the name just from someone someone that they knew or somebody that they, they met called Mohit. That's a great name. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So that's, you know, something like that. Yeah. That's probably completely wrong and I've probably made that up, but that feels like something that probably would have happened. Mm. But kind of feeding into the whole jam band thing, this album took five years to make. And I kind of, once again, spoke with Danny about about that side of things, what took so long. It's only, uh, it's only nine songs, lads, come on. It was a real collaborative thing where mm. we, all, we all cared about what was going on in this piece. And Marta was so, like, explorative with us. We, 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 the part of the reason it took five years was because we tried everything, <laughs> you know? <laughs> we tried it all. Oh, and most of it not? stayed, you know? Well, I mean, there's plenty of reasons why not, Jake. Like, <laughs> like it's <five> expensive <laughs> to spend all that time in the studio. It takes five years, yeah. you know, all these things. But it, it, I mean, learned so much from doing that, you know. Yeah. Because before that, they were putting out like a six-track EP fairly regularly. You know, they had a couple of different. They're not. You can't find them online anymore. I was going to say, I've only, I've only been able to find this. That was when Jim was still in the band, right? I know. I feel like they, they've kind of gone. When that was the case, they were still kind of writing almost... There was more traditional structure to the songs, you know. Right. Have your verse, chorus, verse, chorus, a thing, middle-eight, if you will, and then, a, then an outro sort of thing. And then when Jim left, that, that carried on for a little bit. They had a single out called Southern Seed a few years back, which got taken down a while ago now. But that was very similar. If you can still find that one on um, SoundCloud, Southern Seed. Okay. It's... Good song. Very much mm. recommend listening to it. Once again, it's not under their SoundCloud. It's someone else's SoundCloud <laughs> to this song. <laughs> but um, 
Fair over enough. the years, they've had a few like collaborative things out. So like they released a double A side where one side was them and the other side was a band. I think it was Flashbang Band. Okay. That could be completely wrong, but I feel like it was Flashbang Band. But yes, yeah, so they went from doing that to kind of like ground to a halt, right, we're focusing on this album. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of that was just them spending time just trying things out and right. just kind of thinking, well, let's give this a go. Mm. And their producer that they got in, Marta, Marta's worked with quite a lot of people, actually. Well, I'd w- actually worked with Marta in a pr- in a band that I played drums with for a bit called Pink Film. And Pink Film, at the time, were managed by Alex there. And she su- suggested working with this really cool upcoming producer called Marta, who, um, well, she's an, en- she's an assistant at the time, I believe. And I think Pink Film was her first, like, fully-fledged, like, her own... EP production right. thing like and anyway I spoke to I asked Marta later on down the line she was so much fun to work with in the studio like really a real fresh experience and everything was was exciting and 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 like you know, like let's let's try that and let's do that, and it would it was just always really fun and would sound great. So yeah, yeah. I asked Marta like, would you be up for um, doing some recording with my band Mohit? And she was like, yeah, I'd love to. I can't. I'd be well up for it. So then, yeah, we went in there. So I think in terms of Mohit, it was definitely the first time we'd we'd work with a producer. But it's funny because Marta sort of became over that time, especially I think like part of the band they they kind of lucked out getting uh, well they didn't luck out it was once again if you want to listen to how they ended up working with Marta listen to the interview on the um, Friends of the Show section of the website nice plug nice yeah 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 the student becomes the master yeah well you know I'm not gonna what's the point of me recording the interview if I'm just gonna tell you what the interview is you know go and listen to it you lazy bastards Got to sign up first as well. Yeah, well, it yeah, it's free. free to sign it up. Free. It's free to sign up. Yeah. But she's worked with like Bjork, MIA, Groove Armada, oh, cool. Frank Ocean, the XX, quite a few people. So yeah, apparently she was very accommodating. She was very much a case of, yeah, fuck it, let's let's give things a try. Let's 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 throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. And so kind of over the course of the of making the album, and this is a bit of a cliche thing to say, but effectively she she became a fourth member of the band. Mm-hmm. Are they are they signed? I don't think so. I think they I think they released it themselves. Yeah, I thought I read that somewhere. I know, like Rough Trade, were pushing the album. Self released on DVTT Records, distributed by Cargo Records. So, I guess no. I wonder how they financed it. I mean, that's that's very boring to talk about, but it'd be interesting to know because if you're if you're just jamming, it's like when we're talking to Graham. And he brought it up again when I spoke to him recently. Like, they wasted so much time getting keyboard sounds that the, even mm. the producer was like, guys, this is such a waste of money. <laughs> well, they, they've got a studio, though. They, well, they share it with Frank Abolo and I think a couple of other people, but they've got their own studio space so they can just go in and jam, effectively. I don't think they recorded yeah, it in that studio space, but they did a lot of the... I guess you'd, you'd call it pre-production it. there. Yeah, demos yeah. and stuff there. She's actually linked to Danny's new recording space. You know, his, um, his Beam to Me stuff, like his remote drumming. 
Right. It's in some arches somewhere. I forget where, but it's all linked together. Pretty, Pretty cool, cool stuff. Pretty cool, yeah. Wish I had that kind of setup, to be honest with you. Well, yeah. But, but um, oh yeah, good example of kind of watching them do their thing. The, we've spoke about the Pirate Studios session, which is really show they are they are tight when they play live they are oh, yeah. really on it Danny's got like a, a looper he, well you can't see it but he loops his vocals to get the big I was wondering how they were doing thing that thing going on yeah. yeah it's it's he just lays it up cool and then he harmonizes himself as if he wasn't then, busy enough with all the drumming <laughs> yeah I know, you know? Right? it's like yeah it's like oh yeah I don't really play normal drum beats because I I just prefer to play to what everyone else is playing yeah. as well as remembering them all I'm going to sing Phil so Collins I, 2.0 right yeah yeah definitely yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean I'm assuming you first came across Mo Hit because I took you to go see him at the Albert yes yes <laughs> and I'm a different guy than I was then because I was very much of the opinion of like why are we going to see another band when we could just be jamming ourselves? Mm. Kind of thing, you know. And it's, you know, I was, I was a bit arrogant, grumpy. But it's, they, I, I had my eyes open that day because I was mm. just like, wow, these guys are good. And it's not necessarily like, I know you said that they're tight, but it's not necessarily they're tight like Wolfpack tight or something like that. But they, because it is quite loose and that's actually the appeal of this record yeah. and of them playing, but they're tight as in they all know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. You no know? one's ever thrown off by a change or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. You know. So I saw them with you at the Albert. That was early days as well. That must have been like 2012, yeah. 2013. And then kind of like I'd, I'd checked in with you to see how they're doing and at your birthday good couple of years ago down at the Heron Hounds to come full circle on that one. Yeah, we were down at the Heron Hounds and uh, Danny was there and I think I left around the same time. He's just the coolest dude. Like, <laughs> he doesn't know boo from a goose when it comes to be Like, we've never really talked, but he seemed to just know, I guess, through you, a lot of what I was doing at the time. Yeah. Really cool dude. Really cool dude. That was the yeah, first so time I met Brendan as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Here we are, all these years later. And here we are. So last year, we came. I came over to your house, your old house. Mm. We recorded an episode in in the house face to face. We did. We did it in the living room, yeah. Yeah, we yeah, did we one did. in the old it house. Been, it would have been very early. You showed me that you had Mohit with you, the LP. Oh, the record, yeah. And yeah, I said, oh, just... let's, let's put it on. He said, I can't. Packed up the stereo because you're moving. Out. <laughs> yeah, and you hadn't even heard it yet, yeah. or something like that. And then I'd read, I think it was in Uncut magazine. I think I sent you a picture. They were they were reviewed and uncut, mm. which was pretty cool. And so they just kept popping up and popping up. And um, well, we've been trying to do this episode now for a good couple of months. Yeah, and we keep ben. going. No, we'll talk to Danny. We'll talk to Danny, and then. Scheduling He's and so busy, on. We're busy. Yeah. So I first started prepping this album literally would have been before Christmas last year. I think we were planning to do it in somewhere like November. Um, November or early December. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've actually got it in here. It's in fact, there you go. It was after Poppy. It was between Poppy and Steely Dan. Oh, I think what happened first, so Danny had to, so he spent the whole of lockdown building his studio. So mm -hmm. he's 
set up his a remote drumming recording studio thing. Chuck him a plug. Chuck him a plug. Beam to me recording. If you want some really top awesome notch drums, you know, awesome drums. Yeah. Check, well, you'll hear him throughout throughout this. But yeah. um, he's uh, the world's loudest man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But very versatile still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically what happens is he spent all the summer building it up. He was ready to go, ready to launch. And then the landlords basically said, you've all got it. all the tenants in this particular build, bit of the arches have to go because mm. they were, it was like access to some flats they were building and they oh. needed to use the arches for that. So he was pretty gutted. Yeah. And once again, I think this is all in the interview. So Well, there you go. Well, the point, the point why, why I bring that up, though, is because we're looking at, yeah, around December, we yeah. were initially going to do this. So that was the first time I actually listened to this record. And I was mm. a bit like, you know, again, I was still being a bit of that person that's like, oh, it's Jake's mates, you know, Danny's a legend, blah, blah. And then I actually listened to it and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh I like that. Yes, yeah, it's actually an album, isn't it? Not to not to give the game away too not early. To, not to give the game away because I've I've got notes, but yeah. um, I can I can read out for you very quickly what I'd said. It's only a couple of sentences. This album makes me want to play drums. <laughs> As the part-time drummer of Bogner's fifth favorite surf grunge band, this album gets my fingers and toes itching for a drum session. <laughs> there you go. That was written in December, and it's quite weird because I've I've not really written notes in my notebook since then. I do them all digitally usually. Yeah. But for this one, I, I wrote them out analog. Nice. So And it's all in the same thing, coming full circle again. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we, shall we crack on? Yeah. I've, I've got no fun game shows or anything today. I've got to think of one. This was your ultimate chance to do like what was Danny like when he was 14? The game show. <laughs> okay, should we have a listen? Let's have a listen.
Right, so I just want to preface this one. Oh! There's going to be no more of those jokes coming, I promise. But I was just saying, if you're listening to this, go watch the video for the first track. Rasek. Danny says he's had, he's had a lot of pronunciations over the years, so just go with whatever comes naturally to you. I'm going to go with Rasek. But he's not going to clear it up. No. So it's all about interpretation, man. You just got to, you know, it's how you feel. Before that, we called it we called it Ratsek. It just got dubbed that. But Rasek is the name of Seagon in Czech. But there, like Toby was was seeing a Czech la- a lady at the time. She said like, yeah, Rasek had come about, and we we're like, Rat sick? What Rat sick? Rat sick? Rat sick? Wow, wow, what what crazy word? That's cool. And then, <laughs> um, the lyrics ended up becoming about a sea, the life of a seagull, essentially. But yeah, go check out the video. It was animated by another another friend of ours, Jaron Lionel, and it is beautiful. Have you seen the video for it? No. Oh man, it is absolutely beautiful. It's it's really well done. Jaron's the same guy that did the uh, home time video. I was just about to ask, yeah. There you go. Yeah. But the the Rasek one is a lot better. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, the home time one is is really, really, really good, but I just think he smashed it with video for this one. It's a bit like the song itself. It's kind of hard to hard to really describe it. It's mm. it just kind of perfectly encapsulates it all. Right. Into the song. So nice Nice kind of gentle ease you into the album. Bit of cymbal, bit of kick. Guitar fades in. Very soft kind of bass tone. Mm-hmm. And it just builds and builds and it just sort of washes over you. which is kind of a recurring thing I find in this album. It's very easy just to sit back and just let it wash over you rather than rather than kind of zoning in on individual parts. It's something I've, I kind of feel is a little bit better experienced just as a, as a whole. Yeah. You know, rather yeah, than focusing well, yeah. on one thing. It's that kind of, it sounds really bad, like I'm taking a dig, but it's the kind of like album that you do the dishes to. It's not party music, you know. It's not something you put on yeah. and, and kind of rock out to it. Yeah, it's something to kind of have on. Well, yeah, while you either while you're doing something like that, or I was saving this for the end. But on the YouTube playlist that has the entire album that I found, there's about 54 views, and mm. I'm relatively confident that I'm about half of that <laughs> in the previous two yeah. weeks because this is an awesome album to do marking to. Like when yeah. you're marking student stories and stuff, you've got the noise in the background. You've got all of that stuff, mm. all of the rhythm and so on, like propelling you forward. Mm. But it's not something that like just takes your attention. There's nothing jarring, yeah. nothing that kind of that sounds nasty or, mm. you know, horrible screechy vocals or anything like that. It's very, I don't know if I'd say relaxing, but it's... Uh, I would I'd go as far to say if relaxing. If I'd had a stressful day... I'd put on either something incredibly angry to be like, or, yeah, I'd probably put something like this on, Mm. you know. But back to the song. So, yeah, the guitar sound has, it's got, uh, I don't know what modulation effect he used. I'm assuming it's a chorus, but I I know it's just got this nice amount of warble to it. And it's quite a simple repeating part. 
The bass has some really nice movement in it, which mm. given the tone of it, could very easily become quite mushy, but doesn't. Mm. Like, it's not super clear. It's not like, you know, really defined or anything like that. There's a lot of low end going on, but it, you know, it just fills everything out nicely. And, and it's got the movement that the song needs to kind of keep it going forward. Yeah. Well, I think he's got a lot of effects also. Oh man, yeah. Have you seen his pedal board? Yeah. It's. No, well, I I've seen I've seen him playing with it in the. Uh, in oh, the in studio the studio thing. thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I felt really guilty for him because it's mainly Toby and Danny that I've got notes about, but I'll just sum it up by saying that he plays pretty much exactly the right thing mm. at the right time on pretty much all the songs. He's just not overbearing. He's kind of the anchor. Yeah. Because Danny's not the kind of drummer that's just sitting there doing a Ringo. No. You know, holding holding that beat down. He's he's very flamboyant mm. with what he does. And so you kind of, you need someone that's there just holding everything down, like holding the court. And yeah. that's very much what the bass does on this record. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And as I say, that's something he's, how he's always been is because he, he, he kind of likes to hear what someone else is doing and kind of go, ooh, okay. And then mm. accentuate mm. it and then take it from the, their sort mm. of thing. But yeah, speaking of keeping the movement going, obviously Danny's keeping the movement going as well. With It's yep. not the most obtuse drum part he's ever come up with, but it's, you know, still... I like that you can describe his drumming as obtuse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, he's had his movements over the years. But he still yeah. manages to get a nice few couple of flourishes in there, you know. Mm-hmm. You've got the, the trademark super reverb vocals going on. They're big on, let's say, big on effects on everything, apart from drums, really. The guitar's got a lot of effects, bass does, and the vocals are always... It's a bit strange for me that there's not even, like, any gated reverb or, like, <laughs> just... But, I mean, like, even just a touch, it's like the drums are bone dry and everything else is basically saturated. But with the vocals, hear me out, this is one of my gripes, and much like the next album that we're doing... Next week, I kind of feel like they're a little bit self-conscious still about their vocals. And that's why they're kind of not hiding behind the wall of effects, but they're accentuating the effects, mainly because that's how I like to do my vocals. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the same with comfort. Brendan isn't Mm. the world, and and he, you know, acknowledges he's not the world's greatest singer so he quite often likes to have chorus effects going on and things like that, just because it gives you a little bit of leeway. But I also think part of it is is creating that whole vibe of just that washy vibe. Well, that of, too, yeah. You know, you, you kind of don't want a solo instrument, which a vocal, effectively mm. it's a solo instrument, you know, mm. kind of overpowering things. And speaking of solo instruments, Danny's mum, Bridget, played the flute on this. Haunting. Yeah, she it is, is awesome. a phenomenal flute player. Danny's brother mm. Gideon plays trumpet and he's played trumpet on some of their tracks in the past. You know, he plays for some pretty big orchestras. Oh, really? I can't remember which one he's done at the moment, but he's done like the proms and stuff like that, I think. Oh, cool. So, yeah, he's, they're all crazy, Very crazy good. Family. Yeah, yeah, Danny's Danny's dad as well, he plays drums and is, is possibly even nicer than Danny. <laughs> 
it's dad. I don't believe you. Oh, I'm thinking about it. I think his yeah. dad might be the nicest man in the world. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Danny, you've been demoted. It's, been it's demoted. only been about 40 minutes, <laughs> mate, but you've been demoted, okay? Yeah, everything's kind of allowed to build up a little bit, but then they kind of just reel it back in a little bit. When the actual vocals come into play, as opposed to the, you know, the the whales, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I've actually, we've just spoken about my next note, which is the texture of the vocals and how it kind okay. of blends in. And I've, I've actually kind of used a bit of an art metaphor for it. So in this particular song, and for a lot of the songs in this album, it's more rather than being like a defining piece of the picture or maybe even what the picture actually is about itself. It's more like the highlights that you you add that give things depth and and character and life. So if you see a painting and it's not got any highlights on it, it just looks a bit flat, dull. It's there, it's fine, whatever. You get the highlights on it and then suddenly it all kind of comes to life. Wow. And- Bam! <laughs> that, that was really awesome. Thank you. How, thank you. how eloquent, yeah. Uh, thank you very much. It's kind of, and a lot of this, I've I've not really gone too much into the, the structure of things. So mm-hmm. most of this album does not have a structure in the sense of there's a verse, chorus, verse, chorus. There's, there's sections and they sort of just kind of go from one to the other and meander through. Almost and, like uh, Western classical music where you've got like an A section, a B section. Y- yeah, exactly. As opposed to your regular verse, chorus, where you're going to hear a lot of repetition and yeah, so on. And yeah, and I know Toby's particularly is very big into his classical music and I know he takes a lot of inspiration from Western classical music. Now, to be fair with Toby, he, he listens to literally everything. So <laughs> so probably not even just Western, but... Um, yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's what we call it now. Yeah, yeah exactly. education. Well, to be fair, I mean, that's it's just the right thing to call it because, you know, if you go to other cultures around the world, Indian music, for example, has a lot of... There's a lot of microtonal stuff mm-hmm. in that, isn't there? So there's noise. But do you know what we call that? In education, world music. No, oh, you talk about. Didn't Peter Gabriel invent that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's kind of kind of yeah. what I've what I've got for this one. I'm just going to kind of describe okay. some of the textures throughout it and, and and that sort of thing. I have got a ton of notes for this song. Excellent. I know that this is your your like your episode, and usually we kind of take turns to do in depth notes. Mm. But I just found that my pen wouldn't stop. So, <laughs> oh, that's good. It's know. good. Yeah. Go for so, Rasek, Rakik, something. Race K. Race K. Metrically ambiguous. I can't really nail down the meter of it. Maybe at the beginning, especially. Mm. The flute is haunting, probably because it's so so low in pitch. It's not. It, you know, it almost sounds more like a bansuri sort of thing as opposed <laughs> yeah. to a flute because you're usually hearing a flute in higher registers than this one is. Yeah. Plus, it's got all the reverb and, you know. And the vocals doing the same thing, sort of. Yeah. The guitars double the vocals as well, which is quite cool. That You don't get that a lot, and especially in like a trio. And then credit to them because they're not actually filling out those textures with like synthesizers and all that sort of stuff. They're staying fairly true to actually just the three of them playing. So it's it's interesting to me that 
amongst all of the kind of the wash and the textures, the guitar finds time to double the vocals. You know, probably yeah. wouldn't be my first thought. I'd be trying to continue that texture. The flute comes back and it actually sounds more like a synth this time or maybe like a mellotron, maybe like okay. the flute, second, flute setting of a mellotron. Think like the beginning of Strawberry Fields Forever, that sort of boom. Okay, boom, yeah. Boom. Yeah. And then the guitar in the outro, I really like. You said that he's got chorus on. I think he could be a little bit more dramatic with the effects. I think he's actually a little too dry. It could actually be better if he had like a, a rotary, like Leslie effect going in that outro, especially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I think, now this is going to probably feed into what you were talking about earlier about budget. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Toby can't afford that many pedals. (laughs) The one word that just ruins everything, like takes, the the wall just came tumbling down. Yeah, definitely. But you can, I mean, depending on what software they're using, you can still put... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, you can... It's not necessarily that he has to do it live, you know, because he could, live, he could take it to another place with, you know, distortions and so on and and get a bit crazy, but that's just my taste. Nice. Or he could sell half of his pedals and get the Wampler Terraform, which does it all. (laughs) Plug for Brian Wampler there. Big fan of your pedals, sir. Please sponsor me. Fair enough. Right. All right, so, well, that's, next song. that's out. Next song. Next song. Fion. It is pronounced Fion. For Fion. F-F-I-O-N. Fion. I think you just... Fion. <laughs> so with this one, we get a like a weird reverse whisper thing as the intro. Is that what that is? I just chalked it up to like studio sounds. Yeah. And said it's actually quite sloppy. I don't like it. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd odd yeah. one. I've just put weird intro, weird reverse whisper, groovy. <laughs> I think I was going to expand on that, but didn't. That, the whole song for me feels a little bit apprehensive somehow. Like you're waiting to be called up for something and you're just sort of fidgeting about, wanting to get up and get whatever it is done. And then there are like sections that build up like, oh, right, okay, they're going to come over and call me over now. Maybe you're waiting to get your your vaccine done. I don't know. And then you think, right, so you start getting a bit amped up. It's like, yeah, and then they go to the person next to you and then they get them to come over and you're like, oh, So you're back to fidgeting about. <laughs> you're going, oh, for f- beyond. Beyond, you get. <laughs> it's a bit of an odd metaphor. Uh, yeah. But yeah, basically yeah. the whole song kind of builds towards this, this one hard rock section that lasts for about 10 seconds. <laughs> and, and that's just how it all feels to me. There's a lot of kind of meandering and, as I say, fidgeting, really. Mm. It's like getting mm. through it. It's like, yep, okay, and rock section. Yeah. And then you're done. 
so yeah, I guess the vaccine things is apt because you know he's like, oh, I'm waiting for ages. You get your shot, and so like, oh, that's it. <laughs> and you know the thing with the vaccines now, I sound like an absolute wuss, but they don't like they don't pussyfoot around. You go in, you do your thing, and they just jam it in there and get it out. I remember getting my uh, BCG jab. That seemed to take forever. It was like right, slowly insert the needle. We'll leave it there for a few seconds and we'll press the plunger at a nice leisurely pace. And yeah, but that's what I mean. We'll like, wait a minute. And the, only, the only ones I've ever had have been at school and they treat you really nice. Yeah. <laughs> I just felt violated. <laughs> I was just quite like, glad to know, get it over and done. Where's my lollipop? I have to yeah. go and um, get blood taken every so often. And that's kind of set me up nicely because this was just like a very quick... Oh, in, out, excellent. So yeah. no no things strapped around your arm and, yeah, yeah. you know, trying to find a vein or anything like that. It's just, oh, nice, yeah, yeah. easy. In, out, I'm pretty done, sure boom. she wasn't even looking when she got the needle in my arm. <laughs> <laughs> like one hand on the phone. As long as it goes yeah. in your arm. It doesn't go in you somewhere. It's fine, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it supposed to go in my nose? Yeah, it's fine. As long as, you know, yeah. as long as it gets into you, you're fine. Just drink yeah. it. Just drink it. Why not? That's fine. I prefer my my vitamins chewable. <laughs> well, obviously, it's the superior way to have them. <laughs> yeah, that's that was sort of all I really took away from this one was that big feeling of apprehension, and then okay, big rock section, very different experience. <laughs> <laughs> so, studio sounds are sloppy. Could have been better to just start when the bass comes in. Hmm. Because the bass kind of kicks this one off. Then having the dry riff contrasts with the the wet of the previous track. So you've got the dry guitar on this one, mm. or seemingly so. The guitar tones are interesting because there's like, in some sections you get this ultimate wet massive kind of ambient tone mm. and then it's back to dry. You know, where they do that kind of half-time breakdown. Yeah. Then boom, 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 kind of thing. Do they do like a bit of panning on that guitar as it goes across as well? Does it like... Do, 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 like left to right. Possibly. I haven't listened to it. My speakers in my classroom are on the board, so I sit side to them. Ah, uh, so, so fair. I, I can yeah. I probably I can probably judge it if it sounds like it's going further away towards the door. I love the refrain on that, the the part we're just talking about. It reminds me of episode six, Blake Mills. He's got a track. Does the same and I have to bring up a friend of the show. Hubba. Because uh, when I played him, Blake Mills, he was being a bit of a douche like I was to you when you took me to see Mohit, thinking, you know, yeah, they're not that great. And then this song came on and he just sat there groaning for like <laughs> the whole song, just going, Ugh! oh, in that kind of old grapes way that he does. And so this really reminds me of that song. Not sure what that song was called. Can't remember. I think it's like track four or track five off the album. If you want to know, go have a listen. It's episode six of a sound purchase. Yeah, 
Well, you know, we've been going over a year now. That long ago. Answers. Yeah, yeah. Well, last Sunday was the year anniversary of episode three, the Amy Winehouse. I know, right? We missed her own birthday. And we didn't have to do a birthday celebration or anything. The story of our lives, really. I know. Oh, that reminds me. These guys still haven't had a launch party for this album. Ooh. Maybe, maybe we can twist their arm. We'll do a live recording. Launch party hosted by Sound Purchase. And we can be like the DJs in the club, you know? Maybe. They can probably get cooler people to do it, I'll be honest with you. But uh... <laughs> I've kept my note here. John Robb from Louder of War. <laughs> Louder than War, yeah. I actually, I've followed him on Instagram. Just in case, you know, we needed to start that manufactured beef. You're out for some ammunition to use against yeah, him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna gonna beat him at his own game. But except he seems like the coolest dude ever, <laughs> which kind of makes our manufactured beef even better. So, anyway, I really uh, like that. There is a lot more contrast in this song to the previous one. Mm. Here's my note that I've already mentioned: crazy drums, very dry. Kind of sums it up. When that crunch tone comes in, that tone is wicked. Yeah. You know, like, he, he knows how to dial in a good distortion, does Toby. Which is a shame that he never really uses it. <laughs> and it's just a shame that it's like, blink and you miss it, it's over. Yeah. Like, oh, oh. It, it kind of felt like we we're just getting going. But anyway, I, I quite like Fion, Fion. Fion. Yeah, there we go. Fion. <laughs> yeah, I do like that one. Cool. Right, let's mm. let's move swiftly on. Let's discover another. Hey. Yeah, next track, Discover Another. So the beginning guitar sounds like they've put a mic in the live room, you know, with the desk, and mm-hmm. kind of mic'd mm-hmm. up the monitor, and you're picking up some of the um, acoustic sound of the guitar itself. Uh, they probably didn't do that, but that's what it sounds like to me, and it's pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty common throughout recording history to slip a little bit of the acoustic sound of the instrument in, isn't it? Yeah, but that, I mean, that's that's how uh, friend of the show, our Lord and Saviour, came across gated reverb, right? We've discussed this. It's just something that happens when, when certain people hit a snare drum. Uh, <laughs> it's like a natural phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. I can't even <laughs> say the word. I'm laughing too much. A natural phenomenon. Yeah. Any snare in the world. You give Phil Collins a Joey hmm. Jordison snare. He can do it. Yeah. If they'd got him to play on St. Anger with that same sound, it would be a completely different album. Yeah. Hasn't someone done a done a re-edit of it? Yeah, someone's edited it but with drums that are good and it sounds a lot yeah. better. It does sound a lot better. Yeah. I've also heard someone's re-edited, I think, and Justice for All or Master of Puppets with the St. Anger snare. <laughs> <laughs> I know someone's done and justice for bass, wherein they've just turned oh, yeah. up the bass. That's pretty good. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about them. No. Oh, sorry. Hold on, hold on. We can't. We can't let this go, Jake. There we go. 
But yeah, so you get the the cool guitar sound. Mm-hmm. Drums give us a little lead in, and then the band kicks in proper with a descending chord sequence that just seems to go through every chord. It's like, oh, they've gone as low as... Oh, no, they've gone lower again. And again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's changed from his guitar to his baritone. (laughs) I remember, like, the first few times I heard it, it just kind of of threw me off a little bit. So I was like, Mm. oh, what? He can't just descend forever. Mm. You're not magic. You've only got a a Fender Mustang. It's a very short guitar. You're going to run out eventually. This song's a lot more kind of upbeat, energetic than, apart from that 10 seconds of what came before than what have come before so far. You know? Well, it's a, it's a straight up rocker, isn't it, really? Yeah, more or you less. Know, Danny's pretty much on the backbeat, the two and the four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, you know, nothing fancy going on here. Mm. No big soundscapes. No. Still lots of texture going on vocally. They've mm-hmm. still got harmonized effects going on as well and all of that sort of stuff. Big fan of actually how weedy the guitar actually is and the contrast for how rocking the song is mm. and how fat the bass is and then just how weedy that guitar sound is. Yeah. It's like, what happened to that lovely distortion sound you had? Well, I mean, you can't take up all the space all the time. Definitely not. You know, it's very kind of war on drugsy in a way where mm. they don't really kick in the distortion, those guys, but they still kind of make this rocking track. Interesting chord shapes as well. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't sound like he's just playing your regular bar chords and stuff. No, I, I think he doesn't use a standard tuning a lot of the time. Right. That would make sense. And I know he has like capos up and down the neck and does weird, not weird shapes, but pretty sure a lot of the time he doesn't use standard tuning. I couldn't tell you what tuning he does use. I just know it's generally not standard. New, new standard tuning or modern standard tuning. Hey man, he's, I think he's a Crimson fan, so... It wouldn't well, surprise me if he did. Because they're, they're coming up today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the second section, I guess, of this song is where you get like the staccato thing going on mm-hmm. with the bass and the guitar. Mm-hmm. The drums kind of keep it going on the, t- on the, like you say, on the two and four sort of thing. And Yeah, yeah. They keep the energy there, but there's awesome dynamic changes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then it kind of builds up to a dead stop and then doesn't really explode back in. It kind of more jumps out from behind a tree, but it, you know, it definitely kicks back in. <laughs> Stranger danger. Stranger danger. <laughs> and then you sort of get a repeat of section A. And then section B, but this time it's the bass that's kind of keeping up the high intensity. Right. Are they 16th notes? I'm not sure. I don't know. I'd have to listen to it. The outro section kind of just drops to just the bass, little guitar accent on the end of it, and then a looped vocal texture, which when Mm. they do it live is really cool. Great vocal ambiance. Yeah. Yeah. And then the drums kind of come back in just to to see us out, really, with another dead stop. Mm-hmm. 
And that's more more or less the song. Yeah. Once again, there's I'm assuming it's chorus on the bass. Yeah. Possibly I guess so. a phaser. Or a flange. It might be a flange. I don't know. Mm. Lots of modulation going on here, folks. Yep. It's the right kind of band for modulation. Yeah. Well, they've yeah. got that whole ambient rock slash dream pop thing going on, haven't they? Yeah, I kind of have it closer towards like yeah, neo neo psychedelia, kind of post rock in a way. Mm. Not necessarily like post rock as in like the doomier side of that, but more just in the sense of they've got the long droning yeah. kind of very wet effects and so on. Yeah. You know, dream pop for me would be, you know, kind of like Melody's Echo Chamber, Tame Impala, Phoenix Foundation, those sorts of things where they've got those psychedelic elements, but it's all kind of rooted around Beatles-esque pop songs. I've kind of always been more into the, the shoegazy side well, yeah, of dream exactly. pop. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking semantics and stuff. My now. dream pop is better than yours. Uh, all dream pops are created equal. But I have a dream pop um, that my children... Uh, <laughs> will not be judged by the colour of their skin, but the content of their character? Sure, why not? Let's go with that. Have you got anything you'd like to add? No, I've pretty much about? said them all for this one. Nice, nice. Yeah. So next song, Steady Evil. It's the longest song on the album, and it's that, the one I've kind wait, of... Wait, hold on. You've missed Regeza. Oh, have I missed Regeza? Yeah. Regeza. Regeza. Ah, yes, oh, I have. I've, I've scrolled past it. Yes, it's Regeza. Is it? I know it's reggae-eza, but it's it's reggae apparently. So, I don't know about you, but to me it sounds like they they started, Jack started playing and they've they gone, oh crap, he's playing, and then they've pressed record. So it kind of comes <laughs> in like partway through a measure. Um, <laughs> well, I put it, sounds like Crimson. Sounds like yeah. Blue Era Crimson, you know, 80s. Very. Yeah. Very much. Which led me down a very 80s crimson path this week as well. Watched a full full live concert the other day. Oh, which one? That I wouldn't be able to tell you, but he was in a salmon pink suit. Ah, so one of the good ones. One it's of one of the good ones. ones, you know. It's only good when he's wearing the salmon pink, but they, he yeah. came out, Ruford came out first and was doing, you know, the Gamelan kind of drum pad thing. And then for the first song, Adrian Blue joined him, so they had the double... Thing with Tony on the stick and uh, Fripp doing Fripp. It was good. But have yeah. you seen, and I, I don't know if this was the 80s or, or when it would have been, but it reminded me of drummers coming out and doing their thing. Have you seen Mick Fleetwood with his drum vest? Uh, it's no. like a MIDI drum vest. So he comes out and he does a drum solo using a vest with various MIDI pads on it that he hits. Is this recent or is this old? Oh, this is old. Oh, okay. This is really old. Fleetwood Mac was still a thing. Fleetwood Mac is still a thing, mate. But actual Fleetwood Mac was still a thing. Oh, not not Fleetwood Mac with my boy. <laughs> no, actual Fleetwood Mac. I was watching a video of Crowded House, one of the new videos today with my boy, because he loves the song Whatever You Want. I'm not sure if you've heard the new album. I imagine Chloe would have played it. She might have done, but I've, I've not heard it, no. Uh, there's a song called People Always Tell You Whatever You Want, Whatever You Want, My Kid Loves It. And so I put on this video and, and there's Neil Finn right in the centre. It's clearly been recorded during lockdown, like by the band themselves in their own homes, terrible lighting, and he goes, ugh, 
he looks old. <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, he, he does. Old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> please come on our show, Neil Finn, please. <laughs> but yeah. Back to Ragiza. So it kind of sounds like they've kind of come in halfway through the measure. Mm-hmm. Once again, chorus on the bass, I'm assuming. Yep. What they do have kind of going on, they've got that cool thing with the guitar line. It's quite quiet. It's quite far into the background, the guitar, isn't it? Yeah. It's a really, really nice line, though. But it just repeats and loops while the, the bass changes the root note and what it's playing. And obviously, I've you know I'm a big fan of well, normally the other way around. Normally the bass staying on one note while the guitar changes around it. But doing it the other yeah. way around is cool as well. Obviously the effects lessened a little bit when it's the other way around and the fact that the guitar is so far into the back. But it is still, as I've said before, kind of creating that little bit of, of movement and tension and release without really having to do much. My next note, so don't get too attached to the groove that they've got going on at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> My first two notes, right? Sounds like King Crimson. Then sounds like Unknown Mortal Orchestra. <laughs> the, two, the two changes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, really, it's got a really good groove for the first, what, like minute and a bit? Something like that. Yeah. And then, boom, out of nowhere, we're taking a walk down Soundscape Boulevard. <laughs> Population, not what we were just listening to. There you go. Let's not say it doesn't, you know, it doesn't sound good. And it's part of, as I said before, the nature of, of being a jam band. You're going to, you can't get too attached to a section. No. You know, you're going to move on from it, aren't you? And, and yeah. probably not revisit it. But it's all right because we get some melodica. And we all have a melodica, right? Yes. Which I'm sure Toby probably just bought in one day. I was like, fucking melodica, isn't it? Let's, let's give it a go. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> that's how he talks. Yeah. Uh, I was doing some late night painting and I was just inspired by the melodica. You know, I heard it in some New York avant-garde minimalist composition and I thought, yes. But actually it sounds really good. It's it's like the perfect instrument for what they've done. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not often you can say that about melodica, really, is it? No, because every <laughs> every keyboard player sits here and goes, I'm going to get a melodica, it's awesome, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I don't know many instances where the melodica actually sounds good in a song. Fat Freddy's Drop do a good melodica. Mm, I, I think part of it in this one is, once again, though, it's quite far back and there's a lot of reverb on it. Mm. And if it was a very dry melodica, it'd probably just be a bit... Rubbish, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I mean, it's it's the perfect timbre. It really does just sit there. If they had done anything, if they'd have used a harmonica, it would have just been gross. Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah, it was it. it was a great choice. Mm. So that kind of just takes us through this meandering soundscape, for lack of a better word, of big spacey reverbs and lots of drum fills. 
And then the ending, it's quite cool because it just goes mostly to just the, the vocals and the drums mm-hmm. while the, the guitars and the bass just sort of just sort of drop off. Yeah. I put there's a b- bizarre modulation at the end. Like, you don't hear that one coming. And it almost ends on a tierce to Picardy, which is when you've got something mainly in minor, but it still ends on a major chord, if that makes sense. Ah. Like, there's just a yeah, yeah. really ill-placed major chord because no one wanted to end a song on minor in the Baroque period <laughs> kind of thing, you know. That's, yeah, a, yeah. that's a real gross oversimplification of it, but yeah. But, you know, it does the job. Yeah. Oh, I've learned a new musical term. The tears duplicity. I won't remember it, but thank you. Yeah. Yeah, have you got much you'd like to, to add? No, nope, I've added it all. Yep. Lovely. We're doing Lovely. a nice kind we... of uh, one-two combo, you know. Yeah. yeah, you know, get the notes in together. Wait. Now, this next one actually is Steady Evil. Now, funny yes. enough, it's the longest song on the album and probably the one I've got the least notes for. <laughs> yeah, it's just the seven minute. Yeah, seven yeah. minutes and 13 seconds. And that's going to be short by what they're coming out with, apparently. So this one, I don't know what it is at the beginning, that... Dum, dum, dum. Sounds like they've just got that off an old record or something. Okay. And then the guitar comes in, which is, it's, it's a slow burner, this one. Mm. It's a very slow burner. I'm going to let, I found a, uh, a very handy paragraph that Toby had done for an interview. I'm just going to let him take us through this one. Okay. So this is in Toby's own words. Not in his own voice, though. Uh, not in his own voice. Okay. Are you going to do an impression? I can make him sound like Devo. <laughs> Do it. It's, uh, it's fucking Devo, isn't it? It's, oh, like it's, the uh, it's an emblem representation of, of him. <laughs> Complete no, I don't make him sound like Devo. Yeah, brilliant. So it's an emblem of song creation through improvised moments. Steady Evil showcases uh, the trio, as I think they paraphrase that, so us, the trio, mm. interacting with their more vulnerable side. Lyrically connecting mindless media consumption, going down a YouTube tunnel in a daze of non-eventual monotony. That's in parentheses. Mm-hmm. The song's sonic palette drifts through lethargic spaces to mimic the sentiment. Steady Evil was intended to tell a story of indulgence in disconnecting from reality. And there are a lot of really lovely parts throughout the song, but I think lethargic is absolutely the right term yeah. <laughs> to describe it. It is... Slow, mm. you know. As I say, there are parts of it where it are, you know, that that, that beginning in guitar part. Mm. It's not overly complicated or anything. Those like, makes you go, kind of go, wow! But it's really pretty. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's got an awesome tone. First of all, yeah. again, really great tone, but it's actually the way that the guitar and the bass work like, and intertwine mm. with each other. That's what makes this song for me. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But that's, uh, I, I couldn't bring myself to keep sitting through seven minutes to try and, because I'd find myself just sort of being distracted 
So yeah, <laughs> that's the problem with it. I don't. I, I mean, I don't have many notes for this one. The mix is very empty. It seems very empty to me. Mm. You know, especially in comparison to the other songs. It kind of feels a bit like they wanted, kind of almost like a. Oh, you know, it'd be nice just a, a guitar vocal song. And then they kind of realize, ah, that's not really, we can't, that, that's not really very us. We can't really do that. Mm. <laughs> so instead I don't think they, Danny considered a drum kit without playing it. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, who Get can? anyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm the worst at it. I have to tell my kids at school, like, you know, they watch me do it. I put my ukulele down on the floor and then like slide it a meter in front of me. Uh, why are you doing that, sir? And it's like, well, because I just can't help myself, just like you can't, to put it down. But yeah. What did you call those kids? No, Ellen, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Wait, Never gets old. Hold up here. Never That's, gets old. <laughs> there's no need for language like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> such, so good. Now, uh, I need you to balance the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beautiful stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got a couple of notes for Steady Evil. Oh, okay. The mix is empty, but it lets the wa- the vocals wash over you. I feel like the toms on this track sound a little... I couldn't think of the right like adjective, but they sound flat, dead, or stubborn. You know, like they they could have a little bit more boom in them, a little bit more presence. Mm. And I do like this is and you've said this all before, but I I really like the way the drums are following the guitars on this track in particular. Mm. Yeah. This is the first time where I've noticed him actually like adopting the rhythms of the guitar as opposed to just drumming. Fair. Mm. Right. We're not doing too bad. We're not doing too bad. Plenty of tangents, so we can pad out the episode. It'll be fine. It's all good. All right. Uh, well, next track, I would never wash my hair in that. That's all in parentheses. Mm-hmm. Water. I really, really like, like the guitar part on this. Mm. I think it's a really cool line. I really like the way it kind of stumbles in sections. Mm-hmm. Just speaks to me, you know? Yep. I like the little chuckle in the background for the uh, little cheeky chuckle just before the drums come in. There's a little, I don't know if you've picked up on I that. Didn't there's pick a little, up on that, but I'll, I'll a little, have to hear it from now. Just a little chuckle. I think it's probably Danny. <laughs> yeah, drums, just before the drums jump in. And then very quickly we get some bass. There's a really cool whammy, it sounds like, on one of the guitar stabs. But just one. Whammy! <laughs> Which is, um, mm. you know. You wouldn't want it on all of them. It'd get a bit gimmicky, I guess. Well, like Pubber on uh, Everybody Hates New Lovers. 
but he's he's going yeah it's actually quite cool i didn't realize whammies could do that when i when i first kind of started jamming with papa i didn't realize that uh, whammies were polyphonic like that i thought it was all like just you could only do it monotone like the old Tom Morello. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It might be the older ones would like that, mm. but the newer ones, uh, you know, technology gets better, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, so we don't want whammy going because we don't want too many effects going on, do we, people? We're not about effects in Mohit. Mm-mm. On that note, the vocals are actually pretty clean on this one. <laughs> so you remember before I told you not to get too attached to any parts? Yes. Don't get too attached to this nice guitar part. It's Aww. not sticking about. <laughs> we get about a minute. And then it's just like one of those things where I don't really notice it when I've got the album on. Mm. But when I've actually sat down to listen to it, I found the transition a little bit jarring. It's it's not jarring because, you know, say if you've just got it on, you don't kind of go, what? Mm. But when you sat down and listen to it, you kind of go, huh? Okay, so obviously it transitions to a uh, a lot more subdued section, doesn't it? Yeah. Which once again, you know, setting us up for more of the big atmospheric soundscape magic, yeah. and that goes on for a while, and then it just ends on a nice lingering note and some some bird noises. I don't know if it's actually bird noises or yeah. if it's just weird guitars they made with the sound or, or what, but you know. Yeah, but yeah. Like, like the first, that first section for me just really just like gets me like, yes, I love that. Well, that's you that's know. good news because I've said it sounds like David Rhodes. Rhodes. I'm getting some strong David Rhodes vibes. Rhodes. And for those of you, uh, David Rhodes kids, Rhodes. is a long term partner of. That's right, Peter Gabriel. Um, David Rhodes is his long term guitarist, just like. Tony Levin is his long-term bass player, except Tony Levin's been there for two albums longer. But David Rhodes released an album called Rhodes. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Open parentheses, where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. (laughs) Close parentheses. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, just, you got to love it, right? (laughs) Rhodes, where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. No, he formed a band with Jed Lynch and a bass player from Goldfrap, I believe. I think his name's Charlie something. Sorry, Charlie. Charlie Rhodes. Yeah, Charlie. Rhodes, where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. I promised your wife that I was going to cut that to just like less so it's not the full thing every time, but now I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> but he formed this this little trio, the David Rhodes Band, or I think they actually just eventually went by the name Rhodes. Rhodes, where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. And they released an album, I think, in like 2014, and it is phenomenal. For like, for an album, I think you'll you'll like it, or maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just the Peter Gabriel connection, but I sit there and think, geez, this guy knows his guitar tones and the drummer and the bass player are both like top session dudes. But 
this song, especially that first part, it just sounds like it's taken and lifted from those David Rhodes sessions. Rhodes, where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. Okay, I'm, I'm done with that one. But yeah, cool. it, it's strong David Rhodes vibe. I really recommend you check out David Rhodes. The album cover is a cow with an elephant's trunk. It's brilliant. Yep. Okay. Disappointed it's not DeLorean, but that's fine. <laughs> Thank you. <Rose. laughs> Uh, the chorus, I like the ooze. I think the ooze sound great. And I love the ambient middle, and those are all my notes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same. Excellent. Mm. Right, we've only got three more songs. Yeah. Can you believe? For all of the big... Normally when you say, oh, there's big amb- ambient soundscapes, you expect like, you know, a ni- it's only nine songs, but you'd expect that to go on for like an hour and a half or something. It's mm. only 37 minutes long, this album. Yeah. It's what, nine songs, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect for all marking. Right. Well, Seriously, it's like yeah. the best marking album ever. Yeah. Well, track seven then is uh, Yoghurt. Yoghurt. Yog- yoghurt, yes. Yeah. So intros get a weird looping noise, mm-hmm. not sure what it is, and then just very light guitar strumming over some simply goodness, and that kind of builds up in crescendos with, once again, another weird rising vocal. It's kind of... The Nelly the Elephant vocal, but less um, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just got that cool bass line. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's such a cool bass line. Mm-hmm. I love it. Once again, this is another one where the, the guitar, I don't know what he's used to make that warble. I don't think it's a chorus, I, but it might be a chorus. It's really hard to tell. I've put. Down I like it though. He's got a nice delay going. Oh, it could be actually. Yeah, yeah. it could be a, a delay like thing. A, That's a good like point. An echo. Like a with a slight modulation to it, and mm. I really kind of like what he's playing as well. That nice picked out part. Yep. Which um, changes as it goes on to uh, strumming the chord version of it. Can I? Can I just stop you there? I'm let you finish. Yeah. That's my Alan Partridge. I've said this song is like Incubus. Meets comfort, be right back. That's all I can hear from this song. That's all I can hear. I can definitely see the Incubus one, and I know, I think I know exactly which Incubus song. I can't think of what it's called, but there's, now you've said Incubus, there's one specific song. Yeah. I think that I was thinking of Aqueous Transmission. Off Morning View, the final song, but that's played on like the Pippa. Mm. But yeah, I just I just can't not hear comfort in this song. So you're saying Brendan stole it from? <laughs> I was actually going for the opposite. I'll have you know. <laughs> you know, I've just checked that Incubus song, and that is exactly the one that I was thinking. Aqueous of. Transmission, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's my jam. 
that album got played a lot. Yeah. That and um, Crow Left the Murder. Oh, we should yeah. do an Incubus album. We should. <laughs> now, I was trying to explain to someone the other day, every time we do an album, I get like five ideas of other albums I want to do. Do you know what I mean? I, like, I'm really struggling. Like, say, the David Rhodes. That's, add, them um, onto, add it onto the list. I put have. it on the list. I have. Well, have you put David Rhodes on the list? Yes. Well, right now? No, I put him on the list like this morning. Oh, right. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up to what? I've got now episode 68. That's how many I've got. Bloody hell, you've, you've got a. Yeah, I know. Because it just ahead. keeps coming. It's like when we're talking to Sam, it's like from the Phoenix Foundation, friends of the show get to hear that free of charge he was like oh yeah I love this album I love that album and I love this album and I went and listened to them was like they were really good albums they were really choices. good albums <laughs> we should do these albums yeah yeah, well, yeah. but not but right now not right now not right no. now where do we get to the chords yeah so he changes it to chords yep. and then they trick you sneaky sneaky mohit they trick you into thinking that they're going to go off into another big soundscape adventure you know they, they've got all the symbols and stuff going on but they don't. And they, they, they bring it back to the weird warble guitar and the drums. And no bass at first, but it comes back in in a minute. And that's cool because it's a good bass line. Rinse and repeat. For once, you get a, a rinse and repeat. Yeah. It's a <laughs> well, it's worth mentioning this was the single of the album, right? It was one of them, yeah. yeah. I remember seeing this as a as like a seven inch on Resident, yeah, on their website. It was, I think it was a uh, once again a double A side thing. So it was like yogurt and right. Rigiza or something, okay. or it was yogurt and steady. I forget what it was. It was yogurt and something, mm. but yeah, mm. this was definitely I think the first one. Yeah, but yeah, we rinse and repeat. Except now we've got like this cool fat synth bass as well mm. that doubles things up, which is which is pretty cool. And that kind of joins in for the repeat of section two. Mm-hmm. So the, the soundscape thing comes back and that's where that sort of really kicks in. And then they, they do something entirely different. They cut off that soundscape to go into a weird a weird bit that sounds like they've recorded it from outside a club or something like that. Oh, is this is this the one where the, the drums go all roomy? And it's yeah, like no yeah. Clo- and then the guitars yeah, like sound that. a bit muffled. I'm, and I'm it's really a bit... sorry, but I, that really takes me out of this song every time. It's an odd choice. I mean, fair play, you try and stuff out, but it's a bit of an odd choice. The guitar line is really It's a bold cool. strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Yeah. Is that what you meant to say? Uh, yes, that's exactly what I meant, yeah. Yeah, I think there's... There's better ways to do that or better ways to kind of not necessarily do that exactly but have the similar effect, mm. you know. And again, something that, uh, you know, Jake, that I love my process drums and my sequence drums. I know you love sequence drums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, over the boxy thing, there is, um, there's a weird, so he's got like these weird guitar stabs that don't have that effect on it, which sort of opens the door for everything else to, have that effect kind of gradually faded off. Yeah. So I think it was a cool cool idea, maybe not executed the best. Mm. They've got some cool triplets going in the chorus as well. Some triplet room. Da, da, da. They do have some cool triplets going on. Da, 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 da. Yeah. 
what I do quite like is in the section that comes after this, there's a bit that goes into a guitar and a big crescendo. And then for the outro, it would have been very easy for them to do a fade out. I don't think they they do any sort of fade outs really in this album, do they? It's all very much just a... These boys haven't been listening to enough Bee Gees. No, no, definitely not. No. But instead they just sort of... They do what you would do if you were going to record a fade out. You just keep playing it and just, you know, gradually things just ramp down and mm. stop. Except they just didn't do the fade out. <laughs> Which is... I think just as cool, to be honest with you, yeah. is letting things ramp down naturally. Well, this is um, the one where they go crazy at the end, right? With the big... Yeah. Oh, they've got a couple where they've got the big looping... But, well, this is the one where Danny is going absolutely mental. Yeah, this is the one where Danny's... Yeah. Yeah, going, going hog over these... Like a, a held synth bass note, isn't it? Yeah. And then that's... I think the synth bass is like the last thing in the song. I know it's just go Danny. You know? Yeah. That's what he's all about. It's just going going ham. Yeah. Having a good time with it. Going proper gammon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, have you got anything else really you'd like to add? I've got the at some point there's crimson guitar and that's it. I think that might be the cool guitar line that I was on about. Yeah. Like, quite possibly. Yeah. Good good shout. There we go. Okay. Right, next one, track eight, penultimate track, Infinite Decay. Otherwise known as a setting on a delay pedal. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that's where they got the name from? Um, no, oh. um, not according to interviews and stuff. It's to do with... I didn't think to check interviews. I didn't check Genius as well. This might be our first Genius-less episode. There's not going to be anything on Genius, is there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no yeah, I mean, that's what I've thought for half the things we've done. <laughs> yeah, but you know... There's not going to be anything on Genius for Mohit. <laughs> so the idea with this song was that it's, it's a three-part composition where the third part was was never actually made. Oh. It was never finished. Okay. And that's that's something that they mentioned in the interviews. And it does kind of have that almost paranoid Android-esque, here's a song we've written, here's another song we've written, mm. let's just smush them together. Oh, great, it works. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> and... I, I I think it's something to do with some sort of existential crisis and then kind of realising, actually, the universe is too big to give a shit about how rubbish things are here. So, yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's sort of the overarching message. If I'm wrong, don't bother messaging me. Um, this has already gone out and I'm not going to correct it. We don't do redactions or, or corrections on this podcast. Just ask John Rob from Louder Than War. Taking a leaf right out of his book, John Robb. We know the mistakes you made. They're there, in plain view, for everyone to see. Right now, at this very second, right now. he is frantically <laughs> searching for our mistakes. Yeah. He's going to come in like a like a TVA agent. <laughs> Are you all up to date with that? I'm just going to get pruned. Yeah, I am. I am. Oh, man, Alligator Loki, best Loki. Oh, uh, I don't know. I've got a, I've got a soft spot for Richard E. Grant at the moment. <laughs> that man can't do any wrong. No, yeah. I like to think every morning he gets up and just says to himself, glorious purpose. Glorious And then gets on with his day. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. So the intro for this one, this is quite dream pop shoegaze-esque, mm -hmm. definitely, regardless of which definition or direction you want to go in with the dream pop genre. This is very much, I think, in it. It kind of guitar's got just the right amount of 
gain and clarity and, and the right amount of modulation. Mm. The vocals as well have got that. Once again, just the right amount of modulation for it. I counted this as being in 6-4. I don't know if you... I didn't do a, a meter check on this one. I did a tempo check. Second section where it goes up in tempo, that's definitely 6-4. At least I count it 6-4. Right. But I, it was kind of hard to tell with this first section. So if you count it in 4-4, four, four, it still fits, but... What if it's alternating bars of 4-4 four, four and 2-4? Well, yeah, because sometimes the vocals come in in weird places mm. at 4-4, four, four, whereas a 6-4, it always seems to come in on the 1. Right. But on 4-4, four, four, you still it all still works, and you still change sections mm. on a 1 and things like that. So it's hard to tell. Who knows? Second section, as you said, you get the tempo change and a, kind of a change in the overall feel. So I think that comes that's from that whole kind of a little bit of existential worry in the first section, what right. they're singing about. Right. It's hard to really pick out, but and then it kind of becomes into that section of <laughs> you know, who cares? Let's get on with life. Say lovey. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Or even the opposite, actually. So like it's almost like and this is where the that unfinished third section comes into it. Yep. So you can kind of say like the first section's a bit like a daydream. And then we're in the second section, kind of reality starts to come crashing back in and it's a bit like things start to become a little bit more frantic. Tick, tick, tock, frantic, tick, there's, tock. You know, there's, they've got the vocal loops building and building and building throughout, so you've kind of got this... Like suffocating, but really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I say, and I think in the third section, that's where if they're the, uh, the fictional third section mm. that doesn't actually exist, if it had done... And that's where that would have all kind of been alleviated. But maybe the next song is the third section. Maybe. Maybe. But it's not, it's hiccups. It's not uh not implement, okay. <laughs> okay, fair um, enough. Um so I so Yeah, this is this is really cool live to mm. see with those. So does Danny layer those all those vocals. vocals live? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The they get it gets really big live, and then they finish. And they just let them. They just let them go as long as they want. Cool. You know. So if, if that's the end of a set, just walk off stage. Great. Yeah, just come off stage. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> you know, it's really, really worth seeing. It's the first song on the record where I felt like the singing is confident. Fair enough. You know, yeah. like I say, because yeah. all the other songs are so drenched in modulation and reverb and so on on the vocals. Like I say, there's this part of my own hang-up on my own vocals, but it mm. it just seems like this is the song that they know the clearest, ironically, because they smush two songs together. 
I'm wondering as well if it's to do with the fact that it's all just chords as well. Mm. So it's easier, obviously, to sing and yeah, yeah. strum out chords than it is to pick out stuff and, and things like that. So, mm. but yeah, good point. Mm. Good point. I hadn't really picked up on that. But yeah, that's kind of it for my notes on that one. It's just yep. that, that whole. Me too. Very much this whole album has been more about the feel of it for me rather than the in depth yeah. kind of. Well, it's like we said, analysis. With the, I nearly said good, good, not bad. But the bad, bad, not good, you know, it's it's quite hard sometimes to kind of be really in-depth and analytical on instrumental work, mm. you know, sometimes. Yeah. If it's jazz, then there's, you've got things to talk about. But yeah. when it's just kind of like long, droney, ambient, psychedelic music. It's, it's a lot harder to do. Yeah. It's a lot harder. So, last song, track nine, Hiccup, <gasps> the shortest song on the album to see us out. Yes. This one I counted as five for. Okay. No big grandiose ending. No. No big soundscape, no wall of reverb. Mm-hmm. Simple drums, bass, a little bit of synth bass, but mostly just bass, guitar, and whistling. I was going to say, you nearly forgot the whistle solo. Yeah, can't I'm forget the for whistle. That. Yeah. It's really well done. Mm, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's there's still a bit of background reverby stuff happening, and you know a little bit of effects on like the re- on the whistling stuff. Mm. But it's uh, it's more of a background texture as opposed to being more forward right like face. it has been and in your face yeah. and sort of rather than being the main aspect of the song almost. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I've kind of felt like this feels like musically, this could have been a cake song. All you need is John, um, what's his face? John McCray. Vocals over, yeah, all you need is his vocals over the top. And this could be a cake song. Like, absolutely, this could be a cake song. Oh, well, yeah, you'd need to throw in some vibra slap. Yeah. Obviously, you need to throw in some vibra slap. Perhaps you might. <laughs> Seriously, have a listen to it again yeah. uh, with that in mind and just think... Like of him singing, to. yeah, yeah, whatever it is that he'd sing over the top about cars and girls, basically. Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. I also kind of found this one um, on the other side of things. It's got kind of a little bit haunting, mm. got a bit kind of haunting quality to it, and I just kind of like the way that, similar to other tracks, everything just sort of peters out. Mm. I think it's just a nice way to end the album. Everything's just kind of like, right, we're done. It's almost like instruments on the floor and just let them. Yeah, like, exactly. Ta- tape out. down that synth bass note. Yeah. And let that see it all out. Yeah. But that's that's it. That's what I've got. The only other note that I've got is that there's like a sounds like there's like a bubbling tremolo or something in there. Oh yes, yeah. I forgot to write about that. Yes, yeah. yeah, the bubbling tremolo. But yeah, yeah, lovely song, very cakey. Lovely song, lovely album. Lovely, love the album. <laughs> Not bad. All right. Well, let's let's do our questions then. So, All right. All right. Stefan, what was your favourite track? Fion. 
<laughs> really like that song. I know that you you got your reservations about it. I like the uh, the massive like open hubba groaning. You know, I'm all I'm all about that. That's very fair. Mine's probably I would never wash my hair in that water just because mm. I really love that guitar part. Mm. Mm. That that intro section. I mean, the rest of the song is also very, very good, but I really, really love that guitar part. I'm going to have to bump up my list of upcoming episodes that we've got. Roads. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Much sooner, because I, I think you'll really like that album. If you like, if you like the guitar playing on that song, especially, it's, it's all I can hear is, is the David Rhodes album. In a good way. In a good way. Very similar sounds. Nice. Yeah. You've got to promise me you're going to curtail use of that sting. I find your lack of faith disturbing. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that as a no. Uh, No. So I think I might be able to tell who you might pick for the next one, but who who would you get to cover what song? You tell me who you think I'm going to pick first. I'm, I'm interested now. Because I only say it's because I've picked them. I've picked who I think to cover what. I I picked King Crimson. Oh, okay. All right. To do a cover of Yogurt. Yeah. Specifically 80s Crimson, though. Oh, yeah. Specifically 80s, Adrian Ballou. I went different. And I've got two possible bands for one song. Oh, okay. Yeah. The first is this new band that I really like, Men I Trust. Ambient rock sort of thing. They'd do a really good cover of Fion. But also, I'm not sure if you've heard Blake Mills again. We're talking a lot about Blake Mills at the moment. Just released a new album with Pino. And there's literally Blake Mills and Pino Palladino. That, that is the thing. And the, the them together doing a cover of Fion would be really good because they would Pino would be holding down that bass and be grooving whilst Blake Mills can do all of the atmospheric kind of thing and all they'd need is mm. like a drummer, you know. I'm sure they probably know a drummer between the two of them. Well, they they have a drummer on the record. I don't know who it is though. So yes, either of those two groups doing... F- nice, very nice. Okay, something similar that you'd recommend then. Someone who wants a bit more Mohit in their life. Rose, where we're going, we don't need Rose. I legitimately have that written down as well. Roads oh, by David fair. Rhodes, Rose. or Roads Rose. by Roads, or Roads by the Rhodes Band. It's it's really good. It's a wicked album. It's it really reminds me. They're a, they're a trio as well, doing very similar things where it's just guitars. They're a little bit more singer songwriter than. Right. Mohitar, but mm-hmm. they've got those moments of just like they're clearly jamming in the studio and they're three amazing musicians. So, yeah, that's my suggestion. How's about nice. it yourself? Oh, I, I just went for the obvious ones. So, I, I've got a couple. So, I, if I had to pick an album that just gave me similar sort of vibes, it'd probably be Loveless by uh, My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, just lots of soundscapes again and big cool noises and interesting guitar parts. A little bit more. I know, mushy and reductions, probably not as good because it was, you know, in the 90s and, yep. you, you know, cheap albums still sounded cheap. 
I don't know if it was a cheap album, but it's definitely got a lot of mush to it. I once listened to uh, accidentally put a uh, song on repeat from that album, and I didn't notice for 45 minutes. I was like, I swear this album isn't this long. And I looked at it, I was like, oh, it's the same song's been on loop for nearly an hour, and I didn't nice. notice. Nice. <laughs> um, alternatively, I mean, uh, you could go for something like Garlands by Cocteau Twins, but mm-hmm. I, nah, nah. If you believe Rough Trades website, someone something like Squid Sprite Greenfield, but I had listened to that. And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. yep. So you're just trying to push an artist that you. That you That's why we're here, don't you? We're bringing the truth to the people. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, that's you know, similar in the fact that they're a small unsigned band, but uh, other than that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they've got exactly. drums. All right. Well, does it go into your top ten? Yes, this is going to go into my. Top 10. And okay. unfortunately, it's knocking out the Cuban brothers, so that should speak volumes oh. as to how much I actually really do like this album. Because I oh, love on. the Cuban brothers album. That's my list, isn't it? Yo Benita is number 10. I've already taken it out. Oh, I right, think we okay. both have Yo Benita at 10. Wowzers. So I, I've put preface or preface in at number 8. Sandwiched between Forcefield and Pinkerton. So Danny can be happy. I, I rank this higher than Pinkerton. Purely mainly because it's so good for marking. <laughs> Pinkerton's not a very good marking album. That's fair enough. Yeah. But funnily enough, funnily enough, I've also put it in at number eight. Oh, there we go. So, <laughs> so yeah, so for me that also knocks out Yo Benita. Yo Benita. Which is a shame because it is a, a good album. It's a, it's a really good fun good album. album. Yeah. They're very different albums though. Very different albums, yeah. You know, about as far removed from each other as as you can probably Yeah. Pretty much go without getting into obscure, horrible, unlistenable <laughs> crap. Degent. Or clowncore. Yeah. All right. I guess the next question's probably gonna be a little bit self evident for both of us, but um Stefan, is Preface by Mohit, a sound purchase. Just realise that this is a this is a podcast. No one can actually hear that we're both holding up our vinyl copies of this album, <laughs> yeah. and that has nothing to do with the fact that Danny's such a cool dude, and he's like one of your mates from school. I genuinely like fought buying this, you know, in the sense of I didn't want to buy it, but the more I listened to it, it was like. I think I just have to buy it. It's it's amazing. It's a really, really good album. And clear vinyl, which is cool. That is quite cool. That is quite cool. And I actually, I really like the cover as well. Yeah. Topi painted it. Yeah. It's um, everything about this is a winner. I've got DVT T003. No, that's the record label. They're all DVT T003. Oh. Probably can't see it because it mirrors, but uh, DVTT003. Okay, well. Yeah, there you have it. Good job, lads. Well done. Yeah. You made it in. You're a sound purchase. And you're in our top tens. And you're in our top tens. And you you bumped off Miguelito, which is, you know, that's tough going. Yeah, we're not going to be able to look Mike in the eye next time we see him. Um, yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope he doesn't hear this. He's going to be so disheartened. I'm I'm sure he probably won't. Miguelito! <laughs> you say that, but, you know, John Robb's just taken a note down 
and he's going to make sure that he does. Fair enough. You know, if if you want to go that far, John Rob, then the, the gloves well and truly will be off. You'll be like Conor McGregor down on the floor with a broken leg, mate. Yeah, not even one That's round. That's the metaphor. Not I'm not actually going to break your leg. <laughs> yeah. Or is he? Mm. New Zealand mafia. Oh. Yeah. He's been trained in the ancient New Zealand martial art. Yeah. Rugby tackle him. <laughs> Kick him while he's down. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Make sure you got make sure you got the like illegal like uh twenty one centimeter no, that's too big. Twenty one twenty one millimeter sprigs on on the bottom of your rugby boot. Yeah. Twenty one centimeters. I was gonna say twenty one inch first. <laughs> yeah. That's it's towering like two feet over everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? You'd hate to get that in the face, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, uh, one of the All Blacks did get a boot to the face after he'd already got a uh, double black eye in friendly fire at training. When they played the game on Saturday yesterday, he got a boot to the face, cut up his face as well. I mean, that doesn't sound like a fun fact. But it's fun for me. <laughs> I wasn't the one on the pitch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, I am Stefan and this was A Sound Purchase, a podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. This episode was proudly produced by Robbie Mortimer. You can show your appreciation for this episode when you like us, review us, share us and subscribe to us. Each engagement makes this effort all the more worthwhile and the best way to grow this podcast is by word of mouth support is appreciated check the show notes and up to date top tens list and other musings at asoundpurchase.com you can engage with us on social media under the handle soundpurchasepod you can support us by getting yourself a soundpurchase t-shirt hoodie or mug by going to asoundpurchase.com forward slash shop other episodes of A Sound Purchase are available at all of your favourite podcast platforms. Why not subscribe to Be A Friend of the Show, where you'll gain access to a hidden corridor of our website that contains exclusive blog posts, the Hall of Top Tens, special Friends of the Show merchandise options, and a series of bonus pods. Subscribe now at asoundpurchase.com forward slash F-O-T-S. If you've enjoyed the sounds during today's episode, visit your local record store and pick up a copy of the record. Support your local businesses and artists.